I'm looking for a person uh, who is currently working at a job but also is uh, pursuing an educational uh, degree at the same time. I think I found somebody right here. <laughs> I, I didn't plan anybody, and uh, they always seem to be sitting right around this area for some reason. So Angel, watch you stand out. This is Angel Heaver. Uh, she's, uh, she and Rob have been involved in our ministry for many years and have uh, given so much uh, to touch the lives of people here in our family. And uh, Angel, where do you work? Centegra, Woodstock Hospital in the ER. And uh, what type of educational degree are you pursuing? My master's, I'll be hopefully certified as a nurse practitioner in May. How long have you been working on this? My whole adult life. (laughs) (laughs) At least, uh, yeah. What type of sacrifices are you making in order to get this degree? Um, Hobbies, personal interests. Yeah. And who's supporting you uh, in this? God and my husband and my kids. It's a family affair, huh? Yes. Yeah. And uh, what motivates you to get this degree? I don't know. It probably started as when I was younger. Um, it started out as proving something to myself, but now just the nurse practitioner position, I, I can't wait to uh, serve people in a different area than the emergency room. So that's what's fueling it right now. Let's encourage Angel. Now, Angel is a great example of what it means to pursue a goal. She wants to be a nurse practitioner. I've known Angel for many years, and she's an awesome ER nurse and has trained many other nurses. Uh, But she wants to go to a new level in order to impact people in a new way. But that's going to take work. And she's worked very hard, and uh, she can see the end in sight, hopefully, in May. And uh, so she, she knows what her goal is, and she's committed to the goal. And she's given up a lot of things in her life in order to make that happen, a lot of sacrifices. At the same time, she's joined with others in working toward this goal. Uh, God, obviously, and her family, Rob, and the kids are working with her and helping her to achieve Uh, this goal. That's a great model for us and what we need to do in the Christian life. We need to have a goal and we're going to be studying uh, today about what the goal of the Christian life is and how we need to focus on that goal, be committed to that goal and work with others at pursuing that goal. So take your Bibles, everybody raise your Bibles up if you brought them today. Okay, excellent. Yeah, keep bringing your Bibles as we study the book of Philippians. And today we're going to be looking at another rich passage, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Paul writes, not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect. Not that I have already obtained all this. Now what he's talking about? What's he talking about? Well, we have to look at the context of the passage. So we look at Philippians 3, 10 and 11. This is what he's talking about. Not that I obtained all this. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. There's many ways to express what the goal of the Christian life is. Uh, One way is that we want to glorify God with our lives. Another way is that we want to walk with Jesus Christ. 
Another way is that we want to become Christ-like. Another way is we want to abide with Jesus Christ. And we see another way to express this in verse 10. I want to know Christ. That was his goal when he says, not that I have already obtained all this. He says, I have not known Jesus Christ to the extent that I want to know Jesus Christ. So that's what he's looking at. Think about the most satisfying relationship in your life. Maybe it's with your husband or wife or a child, maybe a friend, maybe a parent. Think about that person that you know so well and you look forward to get together with them. What built that relationship? Well, time. You spent time with that person. You shared with that person about what's going on in your life and your dreams and your struggles and they helped you and encouraged you and vice versa and you cultivated that relationship over time. Well, friends, that's what every one of us should want in our walk with Jesus Christ. We should want a relationship with Him. I want to know Christ. I want to spend every day getting to know Him better. How do you do that? Well, it says in the power of His resurrection. I want to experience His power in my life. And the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings. When I go through difficult times, I want to draw close to Christ. And as we talked about last week, that is when we're typically the closest to Christ, when we're dealing with difficulties because we're depending upon Him. Becoming like Him in His death. Becoming selfless. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. That is reaching heaven. And again, all those are involved in getting to know Jesus Christ better. So that's our goal. We've got to run toward the goal. Well, we look on in Philippians 3.12. It says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect. Now, what's he talking about here? Well, he's qualifying things. He's saying, this is my goal, but I have not yet arrived. And he says this because the Judaizers, remember the false teachers that we talked about last week? The Judaizers were teaching that you had to have Jesus Christ plus the law in order to go to heaven. And of course, the Bible teaches it's Jesus Christ plus nothing. That's what gets you to heaven. They also claimed that they were perfect. They were perfect. They were sinless. So Paul was letting the people at Philippi know, hey, listen, don't believe them. You know me and how godly I am, and I have not yet arrived. And this was near the end of his ministry and his life. So therefore, we see that we're never going to be perfect here on earth. The goal is not perfection. The goal is progress. We want to be continuing to make progress. But I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. I press on. What Paul's going to do is he's going to use a sports analogy, that of a race. Now, Paul was a sports fanatic because he used a lot of different sports analogies in his letters. I'm sure if he lived the day that he would live right here in Chicago, Illinois, because it is the best place to live. Amen? Very good, yes. And he would be a Bears fan, and a Bulls fan, and a Blackhawks fan, and a Cub fan. Because they all begin with B, right? I mean, Cubs, they're just little Bears, right? No doubt. 
The white socks, the white socks, they don't fit. God put them there to test us to see if we were really, really committed to being a Chicago sports fan. Sorry, Sox fans, but I have to speak the truth in love. All right. Well, I imagine if Paul lived today, he would be waiting for the Bears game and he'd be Sunday night football, Monday night football. He loves sports. I can imagine that he went to the Olympic Games back in that day because he loves to use the analogy of being in a race. He says, but I press on to take hold for that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. We look at 1 Corinthians 9, 24. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Now, how many of you participated in cross-country or track when you were in high school or college? Raise your hand. All right. Great. So let's say that you were one of your track meets and you were lining up uh, for the race and you said, I just have to win third. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I just have to win third place. Is that how you started out? <laughs> no. You wanted to win first place. Nobody goes into a race wanting to win third place. That just doesn't make any sense at all, now does it? You want to run to win. In the same way in the Christian life, we want to run to win. We want to commit ourselves fully to getting to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. We want to know Christ. We want to run toward the goal. Now, to run a race is very difficult. We recently had the Chicago Marathon, and I know Mark and Dee Valadez, they both ran in it. And I was in ministry with him over the last several months, and so I kept asking him, how's it going? And it was a lot of work <laughs> as I explored uh, his experience. Uh, he, he ran a lot. I don't know how many miles he ran in order to run uh, 24 miles in the marathon, but I'm sure it was over 100 uh, he kept running every day, and he ran when he didn't feel like it. He ran uh, when the weather was not great. Uh, he ran when he was tired. He ran through the pain, he and his wife, and uh, they, they accomplished uh, the marathon. They finished it. And uh, that, again, is what the Christian life is. It's a marathon, and we need to continue to run, and we need to work hard because it's hard work to run a marathon. Now, certainly, we only can live the Christian life through the power of Jesus Christ. But God expects us to initiate. God expects us to engage in the Christian life. And that's not easy sometimes, especially when we're going through difficult situations. We tend to want to go into default mode of getting angry and bitter and frustrated about why is this happening to me instead of seeing it as an opportunity to embrace in order to help us to grow deeper in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So my question for you today is, how fast are you running for Jesus Christ? You know what the goal is, and are you running towards it? Now, some of you are running. Some of you are fully engaged in the Christian life, no matter where you might be in your spiritual journey. And some of you are walking. 
You're just kind of taking it easy. You're not fully engaged. You're, you're not as intense. You're not as stoked about living for Jesus. Uh, you're coming to church. You might be involved in a small group. Uh, spend some time with God once in a while. But it's just not that important in your life. Well, friends, that's a real problem. When you let other goals in your life get ahead of the main goal, which is Jesus Christ. You need to get serious here. Some of you are actually sitting on a couch on the track watching videos about running. You're sitting there eating potato chips and you know, you got your pop there, whatever you're drinking, and, and you're just saying, Wow, this is fascinating. Watching other people run and learning about how to run better and the things that you have to do to, to be an accomplished runner. I just can't get enough of this stuff. But you're sitting on the couch on the track. Alright? It's time to get up from the couch, man. It's time to get serious about what Jesus Christ did for you. And to run towards Him. To be committed to the run. To run with commitment. And you see, the important thing to understand is our, our motive for running. We see this in Philippians 3.12. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. Why do we run? Why do we work? Why do we hang tough? Why do we put forth the effort? Because of God's incredible love for us. The fact that Jesus Christ gave up heaven and everything that He had there to become one of us, to, to walk through this painful life and to eventually give His life for us in order that we might have a relationship with God. That's why we run, because God has an incredible love for us. Jesus has an incredible love for us. And we want to cultivate a love relationship with Him. That was the whole purpose of the cross, is so that we could be in relationship with Jesus and know Jesus and grow in Jesus. So that's why I want to know Jesus, because He first showed His love toward me. See, the more you realize and appreciate the love of God, the more motivated you'll be to live for Him and to run with commitment. Philippians 3.13, he says, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Again, he puts that qualification there. I'm not perfect. But this one thing I do, or but one thing I do. So Paul says, I'm focused on the goal. I'm committed to it. And this one thing I do. Now you see, as you mature in Christ, what you need to do is you need to frame up your day in a certain way. Now, we all have different roles to play. Uh, we're a parent. Uh, we're a spouse. We're an employee or employer. We're a church member. Uh, we're a member of a school activity. We've got all kinds of different things that we're doing. And we kind of face our day, and we kind of do all this stuff, but it doesn't fit together per se. It's kind of like here and here and there and there. Well, I would encourage you to wake up every day and say, okay, what's today about? Well, there's only one thing that this day is about, and that is to know Jesus Christ, to go deeper in my relationship with God. That is the goal. So everything I do today is influenced by that. When I take care of my kids, I'm, I'm, I'm loving them because Jesus Christ loved me. 
Jesus Christ asked me uh, to love them and care for them. Everything that you do, as we've talked about, can be done for God. You're serving God when you work. You're serving God when you're cleaning up the house. You're serving God at all times. Everything you do during a day is for God. Just not coming to church and doing spiritual things, but everything you do is for God because your whole life is an act of worship. And that's how you need to approach life. So you go through the day and you also obey God because that's the way you show God's love or that's the way you show love to God, by obeying Him. That's what the Word of God says. So by doing the things that you've been told to do through Christ's power, you are able to enjoy God and develop a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. And as you work throughout your day, uh, you learn more about how much He loves you and how He provides for you. Uh, and you need those different resources uh, that He gives you. And at the end of the day, you're able to look back and say, okay, how did I get to know Jesus Christ better today? Because that is my goal. So, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. So how am I going to do this? I'm going to forget what is behind. Now, what can we forget? Well, first of all, we can forget our failures. Sometimes uh, people look back. And the idea behind forgetting here is the idea of looking forward constantly. Never looking back. A runner never looking back to see where the other runners are, but having a single focus, and that is the goal. It's easy sometimes to look back at our lives and to see where we have sinned. And maybe a significant sin in our mind was five years ago, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, and that keeps coming up. And you say, well, I can't really do anything for God. I can't make an impact because of the sin I committed years ago. Well, friends... You're not being reminded by God, because remember, God's forgiven all of your sin. Satan is the one who's the accuser. He's the one who continues to bring up that sin and makes you feel guilty. That is false guilt. You need to tell Satan to shut up, because you are clothed with righteousness. God sees you as perfect, and you know you've been forgiven of that sin, and you need to put it aside. Right? So we need to forget our failures because God's forgiven us. We also need to forget our accomplishments. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long period of time and you look back on your life and you see how you've grown in your relationship with God and how mature you are and the ways you've served God and done His work. And you kind of want to sit back and rest and say, hey, you know, I can kind of you know, take some time off here. In fact, I was at a church when I was going to school and there were actually older people who said, now it's time for the younger generation to serve the church. We're going to take a break. Well, friends, you never take a break from the race. The race goes till the day you die. Christians never retire. Now, we've got that value of retirement in our country. It's not the same in countries around the world, but the idea is that when you reach 60, 65, whatever, uh, you retire, you end your work, and that's the time that you're to enjoy life. That's the time that life really begins in some people's minds. Friends, that is far from what the Scripture has to say. I mean, now is the time to enjoy life, no matter where you're at. And the joy is the spiritual joy we've been talking about, not the type of joy that the world talks about. 
So when you retire, what you should be looking forward to is not enjoying your life. You should be looking forward to all the extra time that you'll have to get to know Jesus Christ. All the extra time you'll have to study His Word and to pray. All the extra time that you'll have to serve Jesus Christ in your neighborhood, with the people that you uh, spend time with, in the church. I mean, people who are retired should be the most active people in the church because they have the time. Now, you talk to retired people and they say, well, I'm busier than when I was working. Well, I understand that. But still, again, this is the time to get to know Jesus Christ. So if you're near retirement or retired or uh, you're younger and you're looking toward retirement someday, we need to change our thinking about retirement. Retirement is an increased opportunity to know Jesus in all the ways that I talked about. Christians never retire. Well, he says, forgetting what is behind, forgetting the accomplishments, i still got much more to do uh, for the Lord, and straining toward what is ahead. And this idea of straining is uh, from the idea of a chariot uh, racer. Uh, one who was in a chariot race, and maybe you remember seeing Ben-Hur years ago, uh, but it was that idea that they're in these little uh, chariots, and there wasn't much to hold them in, uh, but they would strain forward, driving the horses. And we've seen this in so many athletic contests where you have the athletes just straining. You can see it in their faces like the weightlifters. Right? Yeah, you strain. And so that's what we need to do is that we need to strain. Sometimes, again, it's hard work to walk with Christ. And we need just to give it our all and be in dependence on Him and partner with Him and getting done what needs to get done and walking with or running with him in this case uh, making it happen in that way uh, well we move on to philippians uh, three fourteen. he says i press on there we see it again the second time he said it on toward the goal the goal is to know christ to win the prize for which god has called me heavenward in christ jesus so he wants to win the prize well what is the prize well, there's a lot of different things we can think of when we think about Prizes here on earth, uh, people tend to gravitate toward, I guess, the ultimate prize in some people's minds, and that is the lottery. Winning millions and millions of dollars. That's what a lot of people dream of. But friends, those of us who are Christ followers already have won the spiritual jackpot. And that is an incredible inheritance from God that we will fully realize when we get to heaven when there will be no more pain, we'll be able to celebrate with God uh, for eternity, which we studied about earlier uh, this year in our End Times uh, series. It's going to be incredible. That's what we're looking forward to. We're looking forward to getting to heaven and spending our eternity with Jesus Christ. But also we've got to realize that inheritance is up front. We have spiritual cash that we can cash in now in order to live the Christian life. God wants to help us We want to have a relationship with Christ. And as we do that from day to day, we get some of those early winnings as He takes care of us and as we get to know Him better and we live uh, for Him. We continue on to verse 15. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. So he's saying mature people should believe what I just taught. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. 
So there might have been some people that didn't quite understand this yet. They still thought about the Judaizers and that type of thing. And he said, I've made my case. Now let God speak to you about this. He's not going to argue about it. But one thing he does say is only let us live up to what we have already attained. So he says, wherever you're at in the spiritual life, don't go backwards. I want to ask you a question. How many of you in your lifetime have ever tried to run up an escalator that was going down? Okay, raise your hand. All right. Now let me ask you another question. Now think carefully about this. All right. How many of you have, have never done that before? Have never run up a down escalator? I want you to raise your hand high here. Okay. see a lot of women out there. Let's see. Okay, Steve Gillis. Really? I mean, even when you were a little kid, you never ran up a down escalator. I just can't understand it, my friend. You've missed out on one of the greatest joys of life. Now, Spring Hill Mall has a bunch of escalators. So this is my assignment for you. I want you to go take your wife out to eat, Pam, there, and go down there and uh, have dinner and then go into J.C. Penney or Sears, whatever. Now, find an escalator. Now, I have to teach this to you. First, look around, okay? I mean, people kind of look down on people run up escalators, but, you know, whatever. Uh, look around and then just do your best to get up that escalator, okay? And you'll be at the top, you know, like Rocky, you know, you made the accomplishment. Yeah, I, I just thought everybody had done that. I've done it as an adult. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just one of those challenges, uh, that you have to take on. Well, you see, the Christian life is like a huge escalator that goes on for a long time because life is a long time. And you're running up this escalator. All right? And you're running, you're running. And as you run, you make progress. Now, what if you stop on an escalator? Well, <laughs> if it's going down, you're going down with it. So the point here is that in running the Christian life, you have to run at a certain pace just to maintain where you're at spiritually. You need to keep up certain spiritual disciplines. Uh, you need to continue to commune with God and trust in Him. And, and that only keeps you where you're at, on a plateau per se. But if you want to move forward and grow, you've got to give more energy, more initiative, keep your eyes more on the goal, commit yourself even further to making it happen. And then you'll move up the escalator. But if you're not moving... If you put your Christian life on the back burner, you're going down. You're either going up or you're going down. Or again, you're moving at least uh, in incremental amounts up the escalator. So the question is, where are you at? Where are you on the escalator? Are you just not doing anything and you're going down? Are you again, again attaining to what we've already attained? Or are you moving up? And of course the goal is, is that we want to move forward in the Christian life. So again, think about that. Uh, so we want to be running with commitment, but we also want to be running with others. In Philippians 3.17 it says, Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. What he's saying is, is don't run alone. Run with other people. Join with others in following my example. Paul says, follow me. Jesus Christ said, follow me many times, right? To the disciples. And take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. Now, following the word 
here means to mimic. We're to mimic someone else. And take note is the idea of scope. That's where we get our word scope from. Microscope, telescope. So we're to study other people and how they live their spiritual lives. So he said, when I was there ten years ago, starting the church at Philippi, I gave you a pattern to live by. A godly pattern to live by. Find people in the church at Philippi who are living out that pattern and study their lives. In the next passage we see that Paul writes, Therefore I urge you to imitate me. Now I always kind of look at that and say, well, we're only supposed to imitate Jesus Christ, but I guess Paul's close enough. All right? Maybe Paul can say that, but nobody else can say that, right? Imitate me, you know, how pretentious is that? Well, let's look at the next verse. The writer of Hebrews says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So really, if you're the leader or leaders in a church, you should be able to say, imitate me. So as your pastor, I say, imitate me. I'm far from perfect. But certainly there are patterns in my spiritual life that you might pick up from my teaching or uh, if we have a chance to know each other personally, that kind of thing. Uh, but small group leaders should be, should be able to say, imitate me. And we say, well, that's kind of prideful. Well, no, it's not. It's just the way life works. I mean, think about life. We're always following models, right? When you were a little kid and you were in sports, you had some sports star, you know, that you were was your model or your coach or other students you were comparing yourself to, and you were thinking, I got to be more like that particular player. So this, I got to study what they're doing so I can emulate that or I can mimic it. When school, you have favorite teachers that you would mimic and follow, or other students in your career, your work uh, today. Uh, You're always looking at other people who are successful in your particular area and you read their books or if they're in your office, you you talk to them and say, hey, how'd you do that? How does that work? Friends, we are always looking at other people, picking up tips and ideas on how to do life better. So what's different about the Christian life? So really, when you're running the race, you should have people in front of you that you're looking at and say, wow, they're, they're further ahead in their Christian life, so I'm going to imitate them. I am going to try to be like them and, and, and do some of the same things they're doing in order to grow in my walk with Christ. And then you look back, and there are people who are behind you, and they're looking at you, and you should be able to say this, and you don't have to say it to them, but the idea is you imitate me. Watch what I'm doing, because there's always somebody who's behind you now, the point is, is that we never, uh, you know, just look at the people behind us and say, well, I can, you know, kind of put my life on cruise control because I'm so much better than these people and their Christian walk. Now, our goal is to be like Jesus Christ and to know Jesus Christ. But we need people who are ordinary like us so we can see the patterns that we need to emulate. So, therefore, we need to tell these people and encourage them in their spiritual lives, hey, if you're a parent, You know, you should say to your kids, imitate me. Learn from me about how to have a vibrant relationship with God. That's why that's so important. And that's why small groups are so important. Because in a small group, you're able to get to know other Christ followers, learn that they're not perfect, 
Lord, and they struggle with the same things that you do. And maybe there is one or two people in there that you really connect with and that you really want to emulate. You really admire them for their walk uh, with Jesus. And you say, I want to be like them. And you learn from them. But you can't have those relationships unless you're hanging around other Christians. And that's why we encourage you to continue to get a part of a minute, be a part of a ministry, uh, be a part of a small group. Some of you have created friendships uh, in the church or outside the church uh, where you meet with a person on a regular basis, a, a spiritual friend, where you talk about spiritual things. That's great, too. I mean, that's what you need. So, again, we need to learn from each other, model for each other, uh, imitate each other. Now, we don't want to take the wrong model. That's what Paul goes on to say in Philippians 3.18. For as I have often told you before and now say again, even with tears. See how passionate Paul is? Many live as enemies of the cross. Now, who's he talking about? Well, he's talking about the Judaizers, the false teachers. They were saying you have to have Jesus plus the law. And they were misleading people. So they were enemies of the cross even though they pretended to embrace the cross. He goes on to say about them in verse 19, their destiny is destruction. They're headed toward eternal damnation because they're not claiming the true gospel. Their God is their stomach. The stomach was a seat of appetites in that day. So what he's saying is, is that they worship their passions. Their appetites are out of control. I read this past week about a researcher who was in the Florida Everglades. And uh, he was going through the Everglades and he found the most unusual thing. This 13-foot Burmese python had eaten a 6-foot American alligator. Okay, can you imagine that? Here's a picture of it. This is the actual picture. Uh, There you see the skin of the python wrapped around this alligator. And of course, As he ate it, eventually he just burst. And the alligator died too. Friends, that's what happens when our appetites are out of control. It's okay to have appetites if they're again done in an honorable way, or fulfilled in an honorable way. But when they get out of control, and they take over our lives, and we step into sin, that's what can happen to us. The eyes are too big for the appetite. Uh, And we need, again, to get those appetites under control. And maybe you're in a situation right now where you are uh, indulging in an appetite, in a sinful way, and you're trapped, you feel. Uh, You just continue to eat, and you want more and more of whatever it is, and it's causing all kinds of problems, but you have to have it, you feel, and it's destroying your fellowship with Jesus. The goal that you should have is to enjoy and to know Jesus Christ. Well, I would challenge you to do something about it today. Confess the sin. Talk to somebody who can help you. You need an accountability partner. Somebody would come along and say, I can help you and uh, guide you in the right way. Teach you biblical principles. Get you in contact with other people who can help you to overcome this sin in your life through the power of God. So they were Uh, again, their passions uh, were out of control. And their glory is in their shame. Their glory is in their shame. They were glorying in their good works, that they were perfect. But that really was the shame of it all, because they were not trusting in Christ. And their mind is on earthly things. All they cared about was this world. All they cared about was 
the passions that they could fulfill. They could care less about what God wanted in their life. Now, in contrast, in Philippians 3.20, you have that transition, but, but, here he turns the corner, but in contrast to them, focusing on earthly things, our citizenship is in heaven. And he goes on to talk about what heaven will be like. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so they will become like his glorious bodies. And isn't that a wonderful day to look forward to? The older you get, the more you can relate to that idea of a lowly body. (laughs) My body gets lower and lower. You know, I get all these pains and I have all these issues. I'm spending all the time with doctors and medicine. Friends, someday that will be over. And you will have a perfect body. No problems, no pain, all pleasure in your relationship with God. And being able to be with Jesus Christ Himself in this glorious new body, this eternal body that He's given you. Now that's something to look forward to. But again, we've got to remember, our citizenship is in heaven, not here on earth. Now the people in Philippi would have understood this because it was a Roman colony. Now, the Roman Empire was vast. And Rome was where everybody wanted to be. That was a centerpiece of everything. But for those who couldn't go to Rome, like the people in Philippi, they were hundreds of miles, it was a Roman outpost. So those people, especially who had been in the military for like 20 years and then they retired, what they would do is they would live in these Roman colonies and it would be like a little Rome. So the people would dress like Romans do. Uh, They would speak in Latin. Uh, Everything was Roman. The justice system, it was run like Rome itself. So even though they were out in alien territory, they had a Roman mindset. Well, friends, we are living in alien territory. We don't belong here on earth. We are not citizens of this earth. We don't embrace the values of this world. We are citizens of heaven. And therefore, we need to think in a heavenly way. And that's why we need to run toward the goal. We need to run with commitment, and we need to run with others. We need to be looking forward. We need to be looking heavenward, as we see in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ... Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Christ is seated at the right hand of God. His Spirit is within us, but in actuality, He's at the right hand of God. And you need to set your heart. And it always comes down to the heart, right? Where's your heart? Where's your passion? Where's your desire? Is your desire set on knowing Jesus Christ? Are you thinking as a citizen of heaven? That this earth is just a place to be for right now. And while you're here on earth, obviously we enjoy the things that God blesses us with. But our main objective is to do His work here, to get to know Jesus Christ better as we look forward to the prize, look forward to the goal of being in heaven with Him. We are citizens of heaven. And we need to continue to grow by getting to know Jesus Christ better. Let's pray together. Lord, thank You for this powerful passage. And I pray that we'd look at our own lives and look, do we really know the goal? Do we wake up every day? Do we remind ourselves, I'm here to get to know Jesus Christ. I want to know Jesus Christ, like Paul stated. That's my goal. 
Are, are, are we there? Or do we need to ask the Spirit to, to remind us and to have that type of focus of all, always looking at the goal uh, with a single focus? And Lord, are we running with commitment? Where are we on that escalator? Are we moving up that escalator? Or are we just going down with it? Lord, I pray that if anybody's going down with it, that they would be moved today to do the things they know they need to do to get to know Christ on a better basis. And finally, Lord, are we running with others? Are we just solo? Christianity is not a solo sport, Lord, as you know. Uh, I pray, Lord, that these individuals would join a small group, join a ministry team, find some spiritual friends, reconnect with people that they used to know, and follow the models, to find models that they can follow in order to know you better. In Christ's name, amen. We've got our ushers come forward. We're going to bring our...